Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors, Griffin Air Conditioning. Check them out at griffinair.com.au. Welcome back to Andy Raymond Unfiltered, the Legend series with Bob McCarthy. The story continues. The South Sydney mantra, don't show the pricks you hurt. That's how John (laughs) described him remaining on the field that day. He played 77 minutes with a broken jaw. Is it the bravest thing you've seen on a field or perhaps the craziest thing? Oh, it was brave and crazy. I mean, mean, how we stood that pain. But we, all, we always knew we had a pain sort of, uh, what a leverage. He, I remember the first year we played at uh, Cumberland Oval in 1963. Sats was just down from Newcastle and I'm an 18-year-old kid. And I was going in to get dressed at half at, uh, at half time of the second grade for our first grade game and Sats was standing just uh, standing signing some autographs. And I said, here you go, mate. He said, good. And as I looked at him, I saw that his, his hand was in plaster. I said, um... What have you done? He's, and Sats in those days, we, after he come down and lived down here, he, he got a job at East Gardens, where East Gardens is now. He used to be with GMH Factory, where he used to make the Holdens yeah. in New South Wales. And he worked on the assembly line. And he said, um, you wouldn't believe last night. He said, I've, I mishandled an engine and, and it come down on my hand and I broke my hand in so many places. And I said, oh, how long are you out for? He said, I'm playing today. I said, you can't play with that on. He said, no, I'll be right. So I thought, oh. Took my head and went in. And I thought he's he's way with the fairies, this bloke. Then when we, when he come in, he he's walked over where because there's no doctors in those days. There was we used to have a medical box there with had bandages and yeah. scissors and all that type of stuff in it. And um, he walked over to the box and pulled out a pair of scissors and he started started cutting it off. And I remember Michael cutting Cleary, the cast off, cutting the cast off, and Michael Clear and Jimmy Lyle saying, "Look at look at Sats." So there, stuff bugger him anyway. He cut the thing off, went out and played. Come back in after the game. Had a shower, went back to South Sydney Hospital and got to, got to plaster it up again <laughs> till the next week. We, we knew then he was a tough hombre, you know. That yeah. 70 grand final, John Bucknell wouldn't last to half time. Kicked, maimed, bashed and assaulted. <laughs> Different game. Well, it was. Well, I, I got him uh, a good one because he jumped into me. He tried to knee me with his with, – he tried yep. to get me in the head with his knees and he jumped up into me and I thought, geez, I made it easy. And then I just got him in the air and then I speared him into the ground and he, I think I broke his shoulder and yep. he, w- he went off and uh, and then but they they brought on a, another player who played for Australia, Alan Thompson, so yeah. he, he was more or less a better player as it was anyway. But Johnny, uh, he made it easy for me by jumping into me. He tried to get, he tried to get me too with his knees and um, he made it easy by jumping into me because it took me, the, took me the, the trouble of picking him up, you know, and dumping him. We spoke earlier about constant rule changes in rugby league. In 1967, it went from unlimited to four tackles. Just four years later, in 71, it went from four tackles to six tackles. Was it much of an adjustment? Yeah, oh, it wasn't as quick. It wasn't as quick. It was still, it was still you know, willy-nilly. We got brought up on throwing the ball around, you know, at yep. So it really, really didn't do much of us because we, we had two great wingers in um, Cleary and, and – um, well, Michael Cleary was Australian – Sprint champion, yep. uh, over a hundred yards, and Brian James on the other wing. I think it was a North Sydney Gift champion. So we had a couple of speeches, and Michael 
Michael was the Australian 100-yard champion because the day he broke the record, the Australian 100-yard record, they went metric. So his record is still there now. He's Australia's 100-yard champion. Way before the 100 metres. Before the 100 metres come in. Wow. And then everyone thought that Ken Irvine was the fastest bloke because he held the world record over 60 metres. Yeah. But Mike Cleary raced him in 1963 at, at Wentworth Park for a £1,000 and Cleary beat him from me to you. Really? And no one seems that. If you, what, you, you Google Cleary and Irvine in a sprint race, you'll see how far he beats him by. And I said to Michael before it, you reckon you'll beat him? He said, if I beat him out, he said, I've, I've got him. And Michael just pra- practiced that, just getting out of the ruck, getting out of the, out of the blocks. And he got in front of him and he, he led him all the way and, and beat him. You, you have a look on Google. You can, you can Google that. You, I'm going to go and take a peek at that as soon as we're done. And he, uh, after that, when 64 the next year, a bloke called Bobby Hayes yes. came out from America. He won the, he won the Olympic Games and he was yep. a big, he was big guy, 15, 16 stone. He was, band, he was bandy. I think he was bandy. No, he was pigeon-toed. And we said to Michael, he can beat this bloke. He said, oh, he said, I should. He said, because uh, I think he's got something wrong with him sexually. <laughs> <laughs> and we said, oh, okay, so we went out and we watched him and he, he smacked Mike. He beat Michael by about 10 metres. Really? Yeah, and then um, and we they found out that he, when he went and got checked out, he had some sort of disease with him that uh, you get when you have sex. Yeah, so we beat him with that. I don't know if I can use that on your program. Yeah, you know. no, we, <laughs> we can, but we might leave it there. Oh, and I hope he's back in the States with his disease. Yeah, yeah, remember, he went, to, he went to jail, didn't he? Billy, remember he's selling drugs over there and he, he, he was he – was There a, was a story too yeah, post-career, yeah, Bobby Hayes, yeah. Then, then when he came out, remember they paraded him around one of those grand – what do they call them? The, um, uh, yeah, the, the Super, Super Bowl, yeah. yeah. They paraded him on the back of a car. To mixed reaction from what I remember. Yeah, well, yeah. A lot yeah. of people weren't overly yeah. thrilled with that. Yeah. Back to 71, field goals were reduced from two points to one. It was 12 teams. Everyone played each other twice. The Rothmans medal was won by Dennis Pittard and the Rugby League Week awarded Bob Grant their Player of the Year. So the South's halves were firing. It was also the year the New South Wales Rugby League imposed a TV ban on games to combat failing crowd numbers. So the grand final was actually the only game on television that year and even that was on replay. That grand final, Souths against St George, they were no longer the team of experienced hardheads but they were a youthful side that was evolving. What a decider that was. It's often overlooked when we talk about the great grand finals, but this was a beauty. It was, yeah. Well, they, they had two great players in Billy Smith and Graham Langlands. Yep. And I think um, Jack Gibson just brought in all these tacklers. Mm. They weren't much good with the ball. There was, yeah, there was Barry Booth, who was a good runner, and... The wingers were quick. Yep. But he just brought all these defenders on and they were just trying, knocking each other out, trying to get earlier. And um, we, we uh, you know, we, we bled early. I think it was 1 0 at half time. And we scored two quick tries straight after half time. Yep. And we thought, well, that's it. And then they just kept coming back at us. And uh, we thought, here we, got, here we go again. And lo and behold, we got to 11 10. And I got, for some reason, I got a cramp, in which a lot of guys get in grand finals, yeah. I suppose, with all the adrenaline pumping through you the, the night before and whatever. And uh, Sats ran past me and said, We need you, Mac. And I was just pulling my toe back to just, and I was going to be there in a second. And I got up because he said, Get up. Within two seconds, I'm under the post. 
So I just got up and I could see where he was going. I could see Coot coming inside of him. And I it thought, was literally the last couple of minutes of the yeah, game to yeah. win it. Yeah, and I was on the ground with trying to get the cramp out. And then when he said, get up, Macca, we need you. If he hadn't said, get up, I'd have still been there still trying to <laughs> get the cramp out. <laughs> And then uh, when I scored, I jumped in the air and people always say, um, what did you jump in the air for when you scored? I said, well, I knew it would be another 40-odd years before we'd be another grand final. So. <laughs> a wonderful era. <laughs> you were born in South Sydney. You played as a South Junior. You lived in the area. Yet after 13 seasons, you were told to move on. So Canterbury it was <laughs> for two years. Yeah, I was did that there. break your heart? Oh, easy. Yeah, well, I, I went to Charlie Gibson. I said, look, um, um, the contract was up. And I said, uh, what are you going to do about me? He said, oh, well, you're not as good as you used to be, so we're not going to give you as much. I said, oh, well, that's up to you. I said, oh, look, oh, don't worry about it. I had 13 years. I was pretty happy. And uh, I was training over here over at Giles' gym over here at, at Coogee, and um, with Gary Stevens, he, he had it. Him and John O'Neill had a lease on it with Les Motto, and um, I used to train there every day. Everyone used to train there. And uh, one day there, after I finished training, I was sitting out the front, and like I could see this bloke coming along the path. I thought to myself, geez, this bloke looks like Peter Moore. But then the closer and closer he got, I thought, no, that couldn't be Peter Moore because anyone knows Peter Moore. He had the scotch in one hand and a cigarette in the other. That's and, right. And the furthest thing he'd be would be to a gym, you yeah. know, and, he's, and it was he coming towards me. And anyway, as he come over, I said, how are you going, Pete? You want to have a sauna bath or something? He said, uh, no, I'll come to see you. I said, oh, yeah, what for? He said, oh, I want you to come and play with Canterbury. I said, no, nah, because I couldn't play against South. He said, oh, we've got this team of young kids. We've got all these Hughes and Mortimers and what have you. He said, we just need a figurehead there and we just thought you'd be the man. You know, I said, oh, mate, no, I couldn't play for South. I could play against South. So um, he rang me a couple of times and said, you change your mind? I said, no, nah, no, nah, mate, I'm sweet. Gary Stevens said to me, you should still play. He said, you still look fit and all that. Yep. And I was 34 or 35. <clears throat> I said, um, oh, no. and then Judy said, why don't you just have a go and see what, see what you think, you know. And I, so I said, rang up Bullfrog. I said, <clears throat> the money was pretty good. And I said uh, to the bullfrog, um, look, I'll give that a go, bullfrog. I said, how many years is it? He said, two. I said, oh, geez, I don't know if I could squeeze out two. I said, but yeah, yeah, okay, I'll do that. And as soon as I signed and got home, phone's rang, and there's Charlie Gibson on the phone. Griffin Air Conditioning offers the highest quality of air conditioning sales and service across the Sydney metropolitan area, providing installation and maintenance to commercial, domestic and industrial customers. Working with this team, you'll be guaranteed the latest services, technology and developments in the industry. Visit griffinair.com.au and tell them we sent you for a cool deal. He said, have you signed with the Bulldogs? I said, yeah. He said, oh, well, I'll come around with the, with the contract and we'll match their offer. I said, no, Charlie. I said, you're offering me a contract now. He said, yeah. I said, look, you've been playing to my loyalty for the last six weeks. I said, no, I've, I've agreed the terms with Canterbury. He said, but you haven't signed, have you? I said, no. He said, well, they'd break the contract. If, I said, I don't care what they would have done. I yep. said, it's my word and I'm not going to break my word. I said, you played my loyalty for six weeks and it's all over. So I went there with Canterbury and um, had a couple of good seasons with them until I'd done my shoulder. And um, lo and behold, the next year when Gibbo came over, um, Terry Parker rang me up. He was in charge then and said, uh, oh, we want you over at the house. I said, oh, they told me two years ago I was too old. I said, oh. I must have got too, I must have got young. I must have got that um, youthful vigor yeah. over there at, at Canterbury. And I'm, they said, "Oh, we just want you back." And then Jack rang up and said, "We want you here." And I said, "Oh, but there's a bit of history there." And he said, "Don't worry about that." He said, "We'll change all that." Then he said, uh, 
Oh, and by the way, he won't be captain. I said, oh, oh, oh yeah, you're going to make captain. He said, I want to make George. I, said, and I started laughing. I said, George. I said, George won't be on the field that many times. <laughs> <laughs> he said, no, I'm change- he's going to change his ways and all that type of stuff. I said, look, I don't care. I just want to wear the South Sydney jumper yep. again, you know. And, and uh, quite a few games there until I'd done my shoulder and had to go the bloody thing wired up again. I missed 11 weeks. Something was building pretty special at the Bulldogs. As you said, Peter Moore yeah. sold you on the, the vision that the Mortimer boys and the Hughes boys were coming yeah. through. What wonderful names in rugby league. But 1976, some would say one of the great missed chances. Parramatta and Manly played out the grand final. Mm. Many reckon the Bulldogs were actually the yep. best side and by a long way. Uh, Fair call or not? I, th- I thought we'd win the comp that year. We, uh, we, we had a couple of pommies, local Mike uh, Lock Forward, um, he died. Um, Eric Hughes was in the centres. He was quick. He came from St. Helens and he was a yep. pommie international. The other bloke was Mike, uh, oh, his name just escapes me. Um, uh, anyways, he's a good ball handler. And he... Uh, he went. He, he, we, he, when we beat, um, I think we beat St George pretty easy in the semi final. I think I scored three and someone else, and we won by a pretty big score. Yep. And when we and Rod Reddy right on full time need him, need this Mike. Uh, oh, he came out with a pommy sides in seventy four. Oh, what's his name? I'll, I'll think about it. Anyway, um, he's needed. It's going to annoy you until you. It's needed. It's needed him in the. He's needed him in the head, and he's cut him open. So we've gone to train on the Tuesday night and we're playing Manly. I thought, well, we, we give it to Manly during the year mm. and we give it to Parramatta during the year. So I thought, well, it's only a matter of just going through the motions again and just being playing tough and we'll be sweet. So get the train on the ch- Monday night and Malcolm Cliff's got the side up in the thing and I said, where's Mike Adam, uh, Mike, Mick Adams? Yep. Mick Adams. I said, where's Mick Adams? He said, uh, oh, he's gone, he's gone back to um, uh, up Gunnada. I said, what for? He said, well, he's had... Got 30 stitches in his head. I said, he can wear headgear. I said, uh, he'd be right. He said, no, he's took off. I said, no, let me talk to him. He said, he's gone. Then I saw his pommy mate, Eric, and I said, Eric, where's your mate? He said, oh, weak bastard. I said, he could have wear headgear. We don't play for another seven more days. I said, well, it might have been all right, you know. Because when I played one year there, I had a bad scar on my head. Yeah. And Clive said, you've got to play front row this week. I said, I can't play front row. I said, my head will friggin' open up. Yeah. He said, I just wear Ed gear. And I said, no, I won't do that. I said, um, I went up and saw Randy McQuillan in, in his gym up there at Erskineville. Yep. And I went and the said, boxing coach. Yeah, yeah. And I said, Ernie, I said, can you, well, he trained all them champions, all yeah. Australian champions. I said, mate, can you fix my head up? He said, what's up? I said, oh, my head's got a big hole in it. I got about 30 stitches into the something went up into my head. I said, uh, uh, can you fix this up? I've got to play on Sunday. And Clive wants me to play in the front row. He said, yeah, come over the day of the game. So I went up there and he put all that. Skin up, what do you call it? All that need patched it all up and put all that. The was pl- it like the adrenaline? Yeah, it was all plastic sort of skin okay. and all that type of stuff. He he patched it up and then he put all this thing over it. And he said, "Whatever you do," he said. Uh, that, he said that won't. He said that won't open again. And I said, "Oh, good as gold." So we that, going back to that game. I went down. I was playing against Paul Kahn, and we first scrum we both headed headbutted each other, and there's blood all over the joint. And I've gone like that, and I could feel when my, my thing was tight as a drum. And he had blood all over him, and I thought it was, it was him. And Paulie Sage gone past. I said, you better go off, man, get sewed up. I said, it's not me. I said, I'm all right. Look, I was, he said, well, you got blood all in your head. I said, that's from Khan. I said, I'm right. Don't worry about it. So we packed out the scrum, bang again. And he come off at half time, and uh, the doctor said, geez, you better come in here, Bob. He said, you need a few more stitches. I said, no, it's all patched up. He said, it's patched up there where you got it patched up. He said, but from there backwards, he said, it's all opened up again. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, no. <laughs> so Ernie McCullough rang me up. He said, didn't that work? I said, mate, where you patched it up? I said, it, I said, it worked till there. I said, but it split from the other side. Oh. <laughs> Injury called your career shorter, 251 games, 119 tries and a field goal. That seems out of place. When and where was the field goal? Well, you wouldn't believe I just kicked two. There was another one in the in the in the World Cup in 1972 in in Perth in France. Yep. We got we got the 20 all or something, and I put one over, but they scored a try to sort of knock us off. But um, we played the cricket ground. I think it was 22 all with a couple of minutes to go, and I thought, oh, this game's been a good game. They had Coot and Jim Morgan who had come across from us, and yep. you know, and they they developed into a pretty good side. And uh, and I, I remember thinking myself, I'm not going to freaking Cop a draw out of this. Yeah, a minute to go, and I've gone into dummy half, and Curdie and all them from East to sing that. Watch, watch Sims, watch Sims, watch Sims, and uh, I'm saying, Eric, you're right, Eric, you're right, Eric. So I had no intention to pass Eric. I thought I'm going to just stand aside and just go whack and whack it over because it's right in front. Yep. So I'm going, Eric, Eric, get back deeper, get back deeper, and all I think all those East players going to fall for the trap, you know, and then. Cootie at the last minute said, watch out for Macca, because he'll run. Anyway, when I saw Cootie come up, because he tried to smother me, you know how tall he was. Yeah. He was six foot four or five. By the time he put his arms in the air, he was about ten foot. So I had to sort of have to get hold of the ball, and I thought, oh, geez, you're going to bugger this up. So I had to get it and sort of loop it. I looped it over his head. It went that high that it kept back thinging, and the, and the power kept it going and went over the try line, <laughs> over the goalpost. <laughs> and Cootie looked at me like that. He said, how did you kick that? And I said, I don't know. I said, but read the Boris paper. Love it. <laughs> Every time you talk about one of your teammates and I look at this South Sydney side or picture it in my mind, I think salary cap. You're just not oh, fitting this football no. side in a salary cap. Well, you couldn't fit the second grade side under the salary cap. Yeah. Yeah, that was that hot. And then a lot, a lot of them finished up going elsewhere, like Ray Brennigan, Arthur Brennigan, Bob Moses, John O'Neill, um, uh, Ron Coote, Jimmy Morgan, Alvin Walters. Dennis Pittard to Parramatta, me and Gary Stevens to Canterbury. Yep. I mean, that was two sides. Yeah. That they had to get out of the joint because, um, you know, they just couldn't afford us. And um, yeah, it's amazing. It's like the St. George side way back. I think Reg Gagnon and Blake's rule. I remember, I remember saying to Reg, how much you get when you first play? Because I, I got 800 quid. He said, that's all I got. I said, that's all you got? He said, no, well, couldn't give everyone 800 quid. Yeah. yeah he said, it would have gone broke. You're listening to Andy Raymond Unfiltered, the Legends series. We have corporate and private sponsorship packages available. You set the terms. For further information on how you can become part of the team, go to the website andyraymondunfiltered.com.au and hit the sponsorship tab. Did the fact injury ended your career and you didn't get the choice on when you wanted to finish hurt? Uh, well, I played the next year with East for one ga- half a game in a trial match. Remember the old pre-season yes. comps? Yeah. And Bozo rang me up and he said, uh, I, I need a running second rower. I said, Bozo, I'm 35, going on 36. He said, don't let the press retire. I said, mate, I'm 36. Yeah. He said, will you come over and just train and all that? I said, yeah, right. So I went over and I, I was winning all the sprints. And then, remember that Nautilus thing come in there, the Nautilus machine? Yeah. And we had the Nautilus machine up there in Bondi Junction. I was the strongest bloke on that and all this. And I'm thinking, this is not right. I went in everything and I'm 35 going on 36. I said, it's, it's not going to work out, you know. Yeah. Anyway, um, he said, just have one game. And we played against Belmont at the cricket ground. And there was holes everywhere. 
and instead of running like I normally did, I was moving the ball on. Okay. And I come off at half time and I said, said the Bozo, uh, it's all over, mate. He said, I oh, don't let the press retire. I said, Bozo, how old are you? He said, you know how old I am. He said, I'm two years younger than you. I said, well, you retired two years ago. Let me retire. <laughs> that was it. So there's a favour of me running around with an East jumper on. You haven't burnt it? No, I, well, sometimes people show it to me. And uh, because there's a bit of rivalry there, it, um, I just look past it, you know. I hope Nick Pilatus is not looking at this because Nick's a good mate of mine. What was it like? Even briefly venturing over the other side of Sydney to the east and, and, and well, putting that jersey on. Uh, well, it was just sort of different because uh, <clears throat> I remember when I first came in, there wasn't a rivalry. I mean, that, the rivalry came in when they took Coot and, yep. and, uh, and, and that, that, our juniors, like they took Bunny Riley and Russell Fairfax. Russell yep. Fairfax played here for La Perouse and Alexandria Rovers yep. uh, when, when they were kids. And they, I think and Jim Morgan and Alvin Walters, they took all these players. I think the rivalry became then. In my in my estimation, yep. and because I remember way back when I came in, they, they didn't win a game there for a couple, couple of years, yeah. so there was no rivalry. And um, I don't know what happened way 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 back, but in in my six fourteen years at South, it was, was only when the coot sort of problem went in, and now it happened to him when he went to East. Someone from South rang him up, or sent him a message, sent him a letter, and said, um, "Oh, Ron, they said uh, when you play for South, we used to love you there, and we we had a little rabbit, and we, we called him Cootie." And he thought, oh, that's very nice. And then they said, but when you went to the Roosters, we finished up cooking him and eating him. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you'd say that's rivalry. Yeah, there was that, hatred there. there the poor little is. rabbit. He's oh. thinking, oh, they're going to give me a cuddle tonight. And yeah. then all of a sudden he's in the, he's in the oven. He ends up in the pot. <laughs> but you played representative footy between 1969 and 1974, 11 games for New South Wales, 15 for Australia, over two World Cups. In the blue jersey, it wasn't state of origin. It was interstate football. Was interstate football important at the time, or was oh, it yeah, yeah, to a drink and a couple of days away? Oh, it was it? Well, it was both. It was uh, it was whole. It was a drinkathon, mm. and um, people used to think that uh, because there wasn't much TV on back then, people used to think that we used to thrash them. But they were always competitive. When the crowd okay. come out, they they lifted, and we'd only beat them in the last ten fifteen minutes when those on myself and Chang or Curdy or whatever. We got the ball and we, mm. they, they ran out of nick. Yeah. Then we'd, we'd run right in the last ten minutes, and people would say, "Oh, this New South Wales won thirty-four ten or something." But up until then, it might have been about twelve ten, and they were punching the Christ out of us. Wow. But they they were always competitive, and um and and you know the, the, there was one thing about it when you did get big for New South Wales, it was a drinkathon, because we used to uh, go up in on the on the Monday, get picked Sunday night, Monday night have the medical at the leagues club. Go down to the bar and wait for everyone to do their medical and have a couple of beers. And the bus would come, take us to the airport. We'd have a couple of beers in the bar at the airport. Get on the plane, drink on the plane from there to Brisbane. Go from Brisbane to the hotel. In those days, we used to stay in hotels, not not like the luxury things now, like in pubs. You stayed in the pub. In a pub, yeah. And uh, we'd stay in we'd stay in a pub, and actually the guy would keep the bar open for us. Yeah. And uh, we'd have a couple of beers there. Then the next day we'd train, and then we'd play on the um, on the Wednesday night. And then on the Thursday, what was the best day? We, the best that was, uh, we used to bus to come and pick us up and take us down to um, a guy at the Miami Hotel. He's a lovely bloke. I can't think of his bloody name. He, I think he played for Queensland. Uh, anyway, we used to go down to his pub and he'd give us schooners all day and steak sandwiches. And Arthur Beetson broke the record. He uh, won one year, I think it was 69 or 70. He, he, he had, uh, I think it was nine or 11. So, um, steak sandwiches, and that was steak with eggs, salad, and chips, 
The full go. He had the full go, had nine of them, and then we used to come back from there, back to Brisbane, then go up the bed and go to what's name. One year there when Arthur had the nine, we're getting off the bus, and he says, is anyone going out for tea? <laughs> <laughs> but Arthur was, he wasn't just a, dr- a beer drunk, he was a food drunk. He just sit there and he'd watch, he used to watch everyone's food, and he'd be saying, don't you want your the potatoes. And you'd say, oh, go away, will you? Piss off. And you'd say to Cheng, Cheng, you eating your um, carrots and that? And he said, don't you want them? And Cheng's going, yeah, get away, beets in your big heat, you know, yeah. and all that. And he'd look at Bozo and, <laughs> and he, all he used to do was parade, parading around the table to see who was going to leave something over for him. And the he was, seagull. oh, he was, a, he was a food drunk. I remember one year there in 1970, can I keep going? Please do. <clears throat> in 1970, they put us out here at Cronulla. And uh, in a pub at Cronulla, at the end, the end of the mall. Yep. There was a pub that I don't know, it might be called the Cronulla Hotel, I'm not too sure. Anyway, um, we're playing cards this night. We're playing England, the third, the last test, in, the deciding test. And Arthur Summons was the coach, and he, he's gone upstairs, and we're sort of playing cards. You could see everyone was happy and whatever, having a couple of beers and playing cards. Then Arthur's coming in, and he could hear his belly roaring. It was like thunder. He said, Oh, I'm starving. He said, Go down the road and get something to eat. And he said, Everything's closed. He said, I've been down there. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I've been down there. I've been up and down. He said, There's no shops open. We said, Mate, we'll, we'll be right. Now, and Walter said, Look, I'll get you something in a minute. Because Elmer was a pastry cook. He was a chef. He said, I'll get you something okay. in a minute. Just wait, we finished playing. So uh, we finished playing. And he said, Okay, let's go down to the dungeon. So we're going down into the kitchen, down in the, in the basement. Yeah. And there was, and Arthur said, See, I told you it was locked. He told us the, the, the fridge was locked. And we looked over and there was this big industrial fridge with these two big bars across like that, like in a cross, yeah. um, locking the thing up with these two um, big locks on it. So no one could get in. So no one could get in. Arthur said, see, I told you. He said, and he could hear the belly still rumble and he's going, oh, geez, I've got to have something to eat, you know. And then we said, mate, just hang on a second. No one Walter said, look, everyone just go and get a knife out of the, out of the thing and use it as a screwdriver. So there's four of us got, and we've all gone bang and <laughs> pull, pull, pull the screws out and pull the two big bars off it. And then we opened the doors up and Arthur was like a kid at Christmas time. He went, oh, look at all the chicken and all the eggs and <laughs> and the ham. There was everything. And Arthur was there and you could see him sitting there. And he's, I think he had a 10-egg omelette. He used to love 10-egg <laughs> omelettes. And plus all the bacon and he had all the chickens. And we'd, when we'd finished, we'd put it all back up there again and screw the doors back on. Pretend no, nothing had happened. No, what was happening? We used to say to Arthur Summons, Arthur said, Arthur's worried. He said, sometimes he's cranky and sometimes he's not. We said, don't worry, everything's right. As long as he plays football, just let him do what he does, you know. We hope you're enjoying the Bob McCarthy story. There's more to come. Make sure you're following us on social media, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at the Andy Raymond. And subscribe to the podcast on whatever app you're currently listening on, because that way you won't miss a thing. Make sure you come back soon, legends. <laughs>